Alternative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Welcome to Narrative Live. We started a little bit earlier because we were ready, so why not get a couple of extra minutes? Really excited tonight because Frank Fagluzzi is here. Now, we are all huge fans. I'm one of the biggest fans of yours, Frank, but I've never met you. It's great to have you here, uh, former assistant FBI director, and it's great to have you here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. It's my pleasure. I'm glad we could squeeze it in in, in what has been one heck of a week, so glad glad I could be here. Thanks so much. And uh, LB's here. How are you, LB? Hi, I'm really well. It's so nice to see you again. <laughs> we had such a big show on Wednesday. And we never got deep, deep to process it. So maybe we'll get to do some of that tonight. Because okay. we have so much to talk about. Hey, Greg, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm eager to get started. There's a lot to discuss. All right. Well, you know what? Why didn't you go first then? Why didn't you tell us what uh, your big takeaway of the week was? What's the thing you want to talk about the most? The thing that I want to talk about the most, I mean, is the thing that you guys did on Wednesday, which is suddenly uh, everybody's talking about uh, Trump and Russia again uh, out of the blue, which has not happened in some time. And it's nice. interesting to see how this has flowed where, um, you know, nobody was talking about it. And then you had Craig on the show, Craig Unger, Craig Unger author yeah. of American Covermont, which book is behind me somewhere i don't know you'll see it later when we get the wide, wide shot and I'll, and I'll put it and up in a second what was amazing is that he brought on one of his sources the former kgb uh officer uh yuri schwetz is that am i saying it right how I do you think say so. it? yes i think you're absolutely okay. right schwetz. um and that was absolutely fascinating i thought and after that happened then suddenly other outlets news outlets started to kind of run pieces about it so it's nice to see the story kind of blossom um, from here first. And it, it, it's been interesting to read the different takes and have other people uh, chime in and stuff like that. So I'm just excited. I'm excited that uh, that Frank is here to, you know, share his insight. He knows more about this than, than we could possibly know, I, I, I hope. So I'm, I'm excited. Um, me too. You know, Frank, we've been thinking about this. Uh, we've been talking, really, all of us, the three of us at least, for about four years now about how Trump is a Russian asset. There was nothing new in the book because of that, you know, in terms of that. But there was so much detail and so much confirmation. And hearing it come from the uh, former KGB major who was in charge of the Washington station and hearing him say that uh, the Trump was an asset and then detailing the cultivation process, that was new to me in any event. Um, I, I know you haven't seen the whole thing, but what's your takeaway in terms of that revelation that we now know for sure that the former president of the United States, the most recent one, um, was, the, was a Russian asset? Well, so first, uh, we're, we are indeed talking about the seminal question of the Trump administration. And, and this question will linger through history if not fully addressed in, in, a, in a fashion that most of society, if it's ever possible, could actually get their hands around. And I think to the extent that you're taking that step in that direction, to the extent that, that uh, Craig's book takes that step, to the extent that a former Washington, D.C. station chief for the, uh, the KGB is telling us what he's telling us, it's time for that to get a lot of attention. And for people who say, I'm tired 
of the Russian discussion. I'm tired of it all. Please understand that the threat remains no matter who is president. This is an adversary that simply will not quit. And I, I want to give a word of warning to all of you, which is now that you're part of airing this story, understand, and you know this, um, understand that here comes the Russian intelligence service and you will, if you haven't already seen it, you will see the bots and the trolls and the threats, um, threats that I've experienced, um, calls I've gotten from law enforcement saying, look out, um, here it is. And, and you're, you're about to, to get that um, in force. That's a cheerful way to meet. Thank you very much for sharing that. I'll drink anyhow. Yeah, I'm going to drink today. Oh, great. Oh it came. I don't know how uh, it lucky was you. delivered. You needed no, it. Putin sent it. Sent it. Polonium infused vodka. Right. Well, I think one of the things that was interesting was the Guardian. Luke Harding coming in, right? Because Luke Harding in the UK has also, who was, um, I don't, I don't know if it was for the Guardian, but he was the he was a Moscow uh, bureau right. chief, it, reporting right. wise, um, for years, yeah. um, and yeah. is and has done incredible work. Has still has incredible sources there, and and Steele even he was outwardly after collusion was like, yep, yeah, Chris Steele was my source with that. Um, so he's with the MI6 sources as well, and former officers who are also his his sources for his book Collusion, and then for the book I can't remember the name of it. I apologize. Um, to the, uh, I can't remember um, either, but I saw it today. Recently, but I can't remember. He also came in and said this Unger, Unger's book, which and Shevitz are confirming what he had, um, the right. exact same information that he had from another Russian intelligence, former KGB officer, um, that was his one of his main sources, exact same thing. It came in through that electronic store. It was Kislin. It was uh, that they did start to cultivate in 1983 to take it. There was sort of like a thing of like, yep, we're going to go for this guy, right? We, he's perfect. He's a perfect target. Let's do it. And then that trip in 1985 or seven where Donald went, over to uh, Moscow and Ivan is there, the, the 87. And what he had, oh, I remember who his source was. He had the former uh, head of the directorate for the Czech intelligence. Mm, that's great. Um, when it was part of the Soviet right. Union and it was identifying that, yes, Ivana was our girl. And she was. So, um, you're, was making a, you're making a really important point. I think not only for me as a former FBI counterintelligence head, but but for the general public who might say, well, I'll I'll, I'll speak personally. I, forgive me if I don't completely wholesale by the words of a of a former KGB officer. Although I will sit up and pay attention. But what you're pointing out is essential, which is no, no, no. This isn't just uh, the words of a former KGB official. There are other reporting. There's other reporting that this is consistent with. There's more to this, and the level of detail from him and from others is such that his story simply puts a cap on the other reporting. So I, you know, I, I take with a grain of salt um, and, and maybe a shot of vodka, anything coming out of a Russian intelligence officer's mouth, but I'm trained to, I'm trained to assess it in, in a totality of the circumstances. And, and I'm here to tell you, 
this is all becoming coming together very nicely or or in a very ugly fashion. So if you were prosecuting or if you're let's say you're back in your role, this is what because this is what we get bombarded with. Zev gets bombarded with this like crazy. Greg, because he wrote uh, Dirty Rubles, I get it every single day. We've gotten this for four years as we've been exposing this. Mm -hmm. I expose the organized Mm -hmm. crime side of everything. constantly from people, well, why isn't it out? How come no one's doing anything about it? If that is true, why was he allowed, Trump meaning allowed to be president? It's sort of like, well, what do you mean allowed? He ran and people voted for him and he got in. What are you talking about? But there's this thing, there's a thing for, for people. And because this, there's this shroud of secrecy over this where people who could say some stuff and really use a platform to really ex- to really expose what they know, and they're doing so now, which is great, because mm-hmm. that persisted for four years in, in light of this 30, 40 years of evidence that we could all see, it was almost, a f- the secrecy became almost a form of gaslighting to the degree mm-hmm. that people went and sought their own answers. And boom, they got roped into some kind of rabbit hole where all of a sudden there's laser beams coming down and, and starting wildfires. And I, I mean, it's, to understand that people know something was really wrong with this presidency, this former presidency. They know how off it was. We had all these weird goombas on the TV talking to us. And we're like, who are these people? What is this administration? Mm-hmm. And some people could feel and you could feel it. And they went searching for their own answers because the folks that actually had the answers weren't giving it and still aren't giving it. And I think Boy, that's a real problem. No, there's so much to unpack in what you're saying, and I, I, I view all of this, and I've, I've actually viewed the last four years as a kind of teachable moment for me um, in terms of the public. If you had ever told me ten years ago, hey Frank, uh, you know you're going to end up on national TV regularly explaining the foreign intelligence threat, I'd say, well, what, what the hell happened to our country? What are you talking about? And so, but you, you just touched on on some of the the teachable moments that need to occur but you've also touched on we got to get much better at this because you're right there's a direct correlation between the degree of classification and secrecy of counterintelligence work and the the seeking the the public doing what they do best seeking their own answers and getting completely duped in part ironically from russian intelligence how easy is that to weaponize for uh, for an intelligence service it's incredibly easy let's um let's let me do the mantra that i've done over four years but try to hit these points so in my book i talk about this question i get at the shopping center and in the supermarket people come up to me go how did how did this guy how did we allow this guy to be president and i and I, they're in aisle number six among the breakfast cereal. I have to explain to them, there, there is no background investigation from the FBI for elected officials. I get the same thing about certain Congress members, senators. How did they get a clearance? They, they just get it because you voted for them and congratulations. So um, in, the, in, in, the book I, in the book, I point out that the person who, who pours your coffee at the coffee shop at FBI headquarters gets more vetting and background than we do on the president of the United States. And we have to do something differently here. Now, the, the good friends at Fox News have flipped out and edited my clips on this. And one night, Laura Ingram, God bless her or not, she says, look, look at this guy. No, look at this guy, Figluzzi. 
He wants some kind of Russian panel to secretly select the next president. I, I do not. I, I am talking about a public vetting process that for the first time considers the question as to whether or not this candidate might actually be a national security threat because the person pouring the coffee at headquarters has a top secret clearance because they walk into headquarters every day at, at FBI. And let me well, ask you, why, sorry, so why don't, why don't we require mandatory tax returns, mandatory financial analysis, mandatory disclosure of family and, and business international holdings? Let's get it all out there and vet someone like we vet an FBI I have a, an addition to that, but I, but I don't want to step on. Well, I just want to know if it's yeah. illegal. I mean, did anything these Russians did by, by you know, yes. being nice to, to Donald Trump and selling him cut rate TVs and, and whatever else they did over those over the 40 years that they've groomed him, is any of it actually right. illegal? Would it have stopped him from um, being the president? Or do we not have legislation that actually deals with this stuff? Well, we need that too. So here, here's, here's the other teachable moment. The counterintelligence branch of the FBI, which I which I headed uh, and spent much of my career in, I, as many employees do, you, you, you kind of rotate around, but I specialized in CI work. It's rare that you'll put handcuffs on somebody for counterintelligence work. You, you don't, it's not a criminal violation. What gets you to prison is a violation of law. A violation of law in that area of work would be something like Espionage. Espionage is very narrowly defined as basically the transmittal, the unlawful transmittal of national defense information. Think, think of a, a military officer slipping battle plans to the enemy. That, okay, that could, that could even be treason, theoretically. But you also have something at, at a lower level called the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which, by the way, is often what we do grab real foreign spies on because you know, we, we say you, you're a spy and you work for the GRU or the SVR and, and you didn't tell us about it. Ah, you failed to register. And, and so have a nice day. But even then, it's usually declaring them persona non grata, patting them on the head because maybe they have diplomatic cover and sending them back home. That the, the point of counterintelligence is not handcuffs. In fact, if you if you get to that point, it's viewed as a failure. Because really, the point of counterintelligence work is to detect, deter, defeat. Mm -hmm. And and when you defeat, it's much, much bigger than handcuffing. So um, the public seems to think, well, he wasn't, Trump wasn't arrested. Uh, no, nobody, you know, and I, I point out, let's, let's talk about this. Astoundingly, the, the special counsel inquiry resulted in two dozen indictments of Russians that is amazing. And if you read, if, if people would actually take the time to read volume one of the report, which focuses on Russia, they would find astounding detail, the stuff of Tom Clancy novels, chapter and verse, date and time and location of real GRU intelligence officers in Russia um, actually hacking um, into uh, the, the DNC. That's astounding piece of intelligence work. And it did result in criminal indictments. We'll never get our hands on these people. But that's astounding. And then, of course, 12 additional Russians for a social media propaganda. So criminality, not the name of the game. Is anything that was done illegal? Um, yeah, but but likely likely being a foreign agent, likely, um, you know, not something you typically handcuff people for, but rather you take a different approach. And could they still run for president? I mean, is, there, is anything stopping a Russian agent from still running for president? 
Well, I think we clearly know where that's going in the Senate, right? Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, push, the push for a trial that results in a ban from ever holding public office again is not likely to succeed, but we'll see what Mitch McConnell can do with his cohorts there. Um, the American public, th this is the importance, not to blow smoke at you, but this is the importance of the kind of shows that you're doing, because if the American, if this is left again to the American public, they better get their hands around this this information regarding Donald Trump and decide yeah. whether they want Putin's guy in the office. Mm. One yeah, thing I'd like to see reformed, I'm sorry, Greg, I'd like to see it reformed. Um, and maybe you you know the person for me to talk to because I will hunt them down until they put something on the table. <laughs> uh -oh. I'm that way. Um, you know, just write it up, write up the proposal. Uh, if someone is a confidential informant or has participated with our intelligence agencies because of someone that they might be in business with um, overseas that, that we are tracking, either on the side of organized crime or on the side of counterintelligence. So someone is a CI or has a CI file under, uh, you know, I think that a, a prerequisite, if they are an informant because they were facing their own indictment for being involved in these crimes or maybe not following for the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act and, and having violations there as well as violations at FARA, can they be then compelled? Can we draft something where it's like, we'll keep all this confidential because you're our source, but if you ever run for elected office, it's coming out. It's not up to you, like what Felix Sater, it was up to Sater to talk about the work he had done. And only once he talked about it could Loretta Lynch say something, because that's the, the way the rules of those confidential agreements work. But I think there should be a clause in these agreements going forward. If you're getting out of your own indictments or your own criminality by engaging in all this, um, by becoming, by informing on others and informing on your business associates, then if you ever choose to run for elected office, people are going to know that that's what was going on. How about that? Oh boy, can I, Greg, can I have some of that Manhattan? That you should have? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm well, the one who roped you into this. <laughs> we can't even. I mean, you're so I, I love I love visionary thinking, LB, and that's where you're going. But it is a vision. And it oh, is high in the sky. Let's be let's let's be realistic. We can't even get the Senate to get together on whether Trump should be banned or not. And and we can't look. Look, there's been proposed legislation that if you remember this. Um, hey, can can we have a mandatory reporting requirement? You got to tell the FBI if you get approached by a foreign intelligence service, right? No, no, we can't. No, nope, we can't agree on that. Nope. So, so now, and you know, we've already had a president who was an FBI source. You do you know that? I'm sure more yes. than one. Who was that? Anybody? <laughs> anybody? Who was it? Are you talking about JFK? No. This is. Or, I'm not. I, nope. Are you talking about Jeff W? No. Uh, this is public information. Okay. Oh, oh, oh! Don't do that to me. Ronald Reagan. I was going to say Reagan. Oh, Reagan. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, unfortunately, it was the commie scare. It was the red scare in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Oh, that's great. But, but I, but I want to say, say in his defense, and this is why this is important for your question, he, was, he really was trying to do the right thing, it appears. It was like, oh, my God, is there a real threat in my community from communism? I, I'll try to help, I guess, right? And so I, I would be concerned right. if somebody with genuine interest 
signs up to help Team America, and then, nope, we're going to use it. By the way, we have to tell you, if you ever run for office, you're, you're screwed. Well, if you're maybe if you're involved in a racketeering scandal with the Cosa Nostra, heads of the Cosa Nostra crime families, then maybe then. Maybe if you're the guy that turned over John Cody, maybe, maybe, maybe there's under the criminal side, maybe there's a way mm. to do it under the criminal side. There, there know. should be. I, a, like you know, I, I think a lot of things failed in 2016 and, and the lead up to it. And I think one of them was the media, to be honest with you. I think. Oh, I was just going to say this. <laughs> yeah. Well, go, go ahead. But I, I mean, I know it's convenient to blame, blame the media for everything, but. My God, really? You, they they missed this. They they didn't see all of this. Uh, Greg, your thoughts on that? No, this is it, it's it's unrealistic and it's frankly ridiculous for us to expect the FBI to investigate everybody running for office before they run to vet them. That's insanity. That's not what I, I'm no criminal law guy, but that's not what the FBI is supposed to do. They should spend some time on that. It's not only insanity; it's illegal. What do right. what, what do you? Yes, you know, your your Laura, your Laura Ingram. Uh, Frank thinks that the FBI should investigate every kid. Yeah. No, they shouldn't. The people that should right. investigate are the voters, and the way that the voters investigate the candidates and vet the candidates is through good reporting by the media, which was not done. Which was not done in 2015 and 2016. This stuff has been in the press. For years, for decades, we've known about this. And the New York Times had it in their own archive. They, did they yeah. write about it? No. Well, why? Yeah. Who knows? We have theories. We don't know. Well, but it was well, not covered. It still isn't covered. I'd say it still isn't covered. You know, you still can't the get failed. the Russian story on TV Big for time. some reason. Big time. Well, let me let me also, I mean, what I, it's interesting now, I've lived in two, in at least two worlds, one, 25 years in the Bureau, and now uh, I'm in my third is that right? Yeah, I'm in my fourth. I'm entering. I've entered my fourth year in the media. Okay. Now I see similarities in the in the in the rules of the road in what you can and can't touch. And so you know, at DOJ and the bureau, God forbid you. And there's written protocols on this. You can't mess with a candidate, certainly within a certain number of weeks of an election, right? God forbid. And I get I get that, of course. And I write about Jim Comey messing election in my book. But nonetheless, similarly, I see the same mindset in the media. Great fear that your story would actually impact the outcome of an election. And I understand it. But but I'm seeing it even now that there's a fear of this could blow back on us. And, oh, my God, we could actually impact national sentiment. Yeah. It's institutionalized. That's the point. That's the point That's of the media. That's where they have if constitutional you're... protection. Yeah. When, when yes. I worked, I worked at AP at the Associated Press as a recruiter. Okay, and I used to uh, oversee the intern program. And we had a woman apply from college for the intern program, and she wasn't. She didn't have the fancy like internships that we usually look for. But when she was the editor of her college paper, she got the president of the college fired based on reporting that they did. And I was like, hire her. That's it. That's, that's your job. If you're the editor of the college paper, your job is to vet the president of the college. That's it's stunning. That's that's what the press should be doing. You know, except, that's their job. Except, uh, let me show you a photo, which I think is kind of very revealing about this whole, this whole situation. See, here is Donald Trump way back when, and who's he? There's Barbara Walters next to him. They're having a good time. They're at the party together. And then this other picture is, I think, uh, Isabella Rossellini and uh, David Lynch. Um, you know, 
let's look at another photo that sort of there he is with Nancy Reagan. Of course, he's with Nancy Reagan, and then of course Mark um, uh, Roy Cohn as well there, and and you know in this very famous picture where you've got Trump with Maxwell and Tower and everybody else. The thing is about the way they've groomed Trump and the way sort of New York works and the way um, the system works is that when you're in one of those networks, and I spent enough time in these networks to know, there is a there's a club, you know, and you're either part of the club or you're not part of the club, and they literally are fancy parties that you can get invited to or not get invited to if you don't say the right things and do the right things. Add on top of that, you know, Jeffrey Epstein style compromise and God knows what else. And you've got a real situation where intelligence services want to, and I believe they do this, can actually control stories. They can actually kill stories. And they might even have people inside the uh, inside of the broadcasters themselves. They might be actual reporters or producers or people on the deciding line who can figure out whether a story gets a go ahead or not. I've had it happen to me a couple of times. Wow. You, so I, I love this topic for a number of reasons. First, I'm impressed that did, did you just have these? Did you know, were you clairvoyant and you knew we were going to go there with the media? I have, a, I have a basket of fun things to throw in here. So right, <laughs> it, was, it worked there. We, you, know, you, you need only look as far back as, uh, you know, the situation with Saudi and the Washington Post and the National Enquirer yeah. and, and um, uh, David Pecker uh, and, David and his relationship. Yeah, and and so yes, and and this 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 relationship. If the media becomes part of the establishment, they no longer serve serve us at, at all. And and I I want to I, I know this shamelessly sounds like I'm coming back to my book, but the book my book's about court preserving having a code of conduct. And if you don't have a code of conduct in the media, right? That you're hey hey reporters, I don't care how famous you are or what your rank at the at the network is. Uh, you should not be hobnobbing with these folks off hours. Now, I get you might get a story, but it's not worth the taint of the affiliation and association. And yeah, this this even precludes, I think, certain stories from from getting out. I wish that were the reality. I mean, the truth oh, of it is, it's really tough. It's yeah. really tough well, to they, get people to do that because a lot of these guys they, are they, sources. So you the know, old school you, journalists don't even have a political party. The old school journalists didn't even vote because they mm-hmm. felt like it was a it was against what they were supposed to do as journalists. That's that's how and, it was for years and years. Yeah, we have something else happening in journalism that is complicating all of this and is is just as big of a factor, and that is the type of investigative journalism that you know Craig had to turn to books to. Do, they're having to turn to. Uh, the people who can actually do the deep investigative journalism, there aren't print outlets for them anymore. And now in publishing, everything's becoming one publishing. There's really going to be only one publishing house soon. It's all merging. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and the pay is terrible. We, we, yes. it's, you know, these, these are folks that work really, really hard. They literally put their lives on the line uh, half the time that are re- getting to the good, the deep stories and doing the deep dives and having those sources. It's dangerous work, and they're not being compensated at, to the level of where they feel comfortable even with their life. They're having to hustle a book, and then they're in that silo of that. And then on the, on the cable news side and on the broadcast news side, you have this sort of corporate capture of news within these larger studios to where you have attorneys 
that are kind of telling people what they can and can't say instead of the role that it always has been or should be in news where let the journalists break the stories and then you as attorneys are there to cover their ass because the constitution protects them. You're not there no. to run interference and in saying, we can't say these things, you can't do these things, blah, 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 blah. So I think that that corporate capture and the squeezing, the the, the complete falling apart of, of print is uh, we're losing talent. We're losing talent. We're losing the people that we actually really do need that know how to do the work and have been doing it long enough that they have these sources like Yuri Shevitz and that they can bring forward. To get Yuri to come on camera and talk with his book, that was huge. Craig worked on that for months just to get him wow. to come wow. on. Yeah. You know? it's um, You're right on point here. The uh, My own experience now with my the network I'm affiliated with is that it's the 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 24 hour news cycle rules the day and they have very limited resources and and I've I've approached um, the teams at at NBC and said have you seen this have you are you going to dig into this here look at this and sometimes the response is Frank this is we could put two reporters on this for a year we don't have we don't have that we we've got screaming uh, crises to deal with here. So part of this is also the budget. You know, we'd love to have a team that goes long term, long, long, you know, deep investigations for years. We don't we don't have it. And it's it's a shame. And by the way, <clears throat> law enforcement finds themselves in the same thing, same drill, too. You, you, you know, you can you can arrest the drug dealer on the corner or you can go long term for a year and take take down a drug organization. And many, many police departments simply don't have the luxury of doing wires and developing sources and devoting detectives for a year to something, they'll, they'll pop the guy on the street corner instead. But isn't this part of the design? Isn't this what Putin is exactly trying to do? This idea of controlled chaos, like absolutely turning America into such a chaotic environment that no one knows what you know, which long-term investigation to to even try go for because you're just putting out the fires right in front of you. I mean, part of what we've seen here, and you know, I, I'm a firm believer that we're still in maybe the first, you know, I don't know the baseball expression, but first innings or whatever of a of a baseball game where um, you know you've got we've had the, the disinformation attack. That was pretty effective, and look what it's done to us. It's you know, it's got us a president that's uh, been installed. It's created this QAnon thing that's created a faction of of secessionists in our, in America, and it continues to break us apart. Con continues to divide us. But that's just phase one of what Putin does. I mean, there are multiple phases that keep, that follow this. Ultimately, it could lead to war or not. But you know, that's where like physical war. But we're still in a war, and we're just in the first part of that war. And I think there's a resistance for people to accept that we're actually in this conflict with and with with Russia, and it's going to continue. <clears throat> so, whenever I, I have a chance to talk to somebody who may be a, a, a Trump fan or or a MAGA adherent, I point this out to them. I, I, I and it, I, it falls on deaf ears, but. The number one goal of of the Russian intelligence services is not to keep Trump in power. It's to cause chaos and discord and undermine our democracy. It's much, much deeper yep. than one candidate and one president. And so um, I tell them in, in a heartbeat, they will turn on your guy if they determine that it's in their best interest to do so. So if you think Russia's just fine, you can tolerate that because they're supporting your guy. Understand that tomorrow they may not. And, and then, you, you, you know, this is much bigger than that. The same goes for China and other adversaries. And the, no, very notion that we, the very notion that we even have adversaries is something 
that seems uh, unpalatable to many people that, you know, the Cold War is over. Oh, hell no, it's not over. And, and so, you know, the, the number of foreign intelligence officers posted to the United States has not gone down mm-hmm. since the so-called end, end of the Cold War. They're, they're still here. And I'm sorry if it makes people uncomfortable, but we have friends and we have, we have enemies in the world. Narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative.